Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. And uh, gosh, what a gorgeous day to take your dog for a walk. Wouldn't you say so, Eric? Good point. Yeah. (laughs) This is perfect weather for dog walking. It's a little hot for my blood still. It's like 73, something like that. It's supposed to hit 80, I think, today. I I think uh, we're at Mm. about 75, 70. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. (laughs) It's humid. Maybe that's That's what it is. It is humid. 76 right now, and and it's supposed to peak out at around 78. All right. Close to 80 then anyway. Yeah. Are you a summer person? You know, I wasn't a summer person until I moved from California to Washington. Then when I got up here, I was like, oh, summer's great. Ah. (laughs) It's perfect. And this one has been a little bit warmer, a little drier uh, than we've had in a while. And I'm okay with that. I'm like ready. I'm ready for fall. Sorry, I'm not ready for the gray and the dark. It's I'm just not a heat person. I hear you. Yeah, thank you. So uh, we've got a lot of a uh, lot of stuff going going on today. Lots of there's a lot of really great events that I'm going to be announcing that aren't necessarily a lot of them actually aren't like huge events, so a lot of people wouldn't necessarily hear about them. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to share this information. Um, And then some familiar events, of course, like the Vashon Sheepdog Classic is coming up in a few weeks and a whole bunch of um, different events. And then a couple different articles, one about a trend in as far as big-name pet food companies go for natural formulas. Okay. There's a great article about that. There's a great article that was sent to me by a a friend of mine who's a breeder about kids and dogs. And we're going to talk about that. And then Eric, we're going to be talking about the cat show that's coming up. The cat show. I didn't expect to no, push that topic on the dog show, but uh, not fantastic. as in not as in a radio show about cats. Right. As in like like not the Seattle Dog Show, but the a Seattle Cat Show. Cat Show. Okay, it's not called the Seattle Cat Show, but I'm so amused. It's by called the... Feline Fest, right? No, no. okay. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's just so amusing to me. I actually, I don't know if I'm available, but I was actually considering going just to see what all goes on in a cat show. But anyway, we'll get to that. I'd be interested in that. You know, the, there it's been that classic debate for years and years and years that people always bring up dogs versus cats. Are you a cat person? Or are you a dog person? But I think most of us just love the animals, you know, and uh, many people that have dogs also have cats and vice versa. It's true. A lot. I, I love cats. I don't have cats, but I have lived with cats. Mm-hmm. I appreciate cats for who they are. They are characters. They are. <laughs> um, and I have friends with cats who have just really wonderful cats and, and all that good stuff. And a lot of my clients, when I'm doing my private lessons for their dogs, the cats kind of come out to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's especially amusing to me when the cats come out and watch. You can tell they're watching and are sort of amused by the fact that the dog's getting trained. Your like, next pal. Nah. Do you say that to them? <laughs> no. No, I just kind of look up at them and, and uh. sort of, you know, depending on who's who else I'm in company with, like, 
this is overdue, isn't it? Or the you know the cat's just like, oh, finally getting this dog some training. He's right. High five. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they oftentimes will come out and and just check out what's going on, mm-hmm. kind of wander out after I've been there for a little bit. You know, always on their own time. One of my favorite expressions is like, um, it's like herding cats. Right. Which would which be tough to would do. not be easy. To do, right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so anyway, just talk about... You know what I was thinking about doing, actually? I thought it would be fun to do a show on the dog show. Mm -hmm. And we've been on the air now for... It's going to be five years in February. And I thought it would be kind of fun to do a show about cats. Uh, I'd be down for that. Well, I I know you would be. (laughs) Um but I'd be curious to know, like, I, I imagine that there's certainly some topics that would cross over, like food, mm-hmm. health. But I, you know, I think that there's definitely specific health-related issues that are more common for cats than there are for than they are for dogs, or exclusive for cats. Mm-hmm. Then you know, and <clears throat> and then other things like maybe behavior tips. For cats, I'd have to kind of reach out to some cat professionals in the area, and I think it'd be kind of fun to give a show to cats. As I think a, that would be great. A nice gesture from the dog show, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. It'd be kind of fun, and I know I'd learn something because I don't. My expertise is in dogs, not cats, except for food. Some of a lot of that is uh, similar, but there's not a lot of cat trainers out there. No, there aren't. Although, have you seen that guy? Somebody Galaxy, the cat guy. My Cat from Hell is his show. I haven't. <laughs> oh, you have to, I might check, have to check it, check out, it yeah. out. He, oh, What is his name? Johnny Galaxy or something like that. Oh, he I... looks like a, char- a character. And I saw that show, I was like a year and a half or two years ago. He's been around for a little while now. And he's like the, you know, the cat whisperer, if you were going to put it in those terms. Mm-hmm. But the show is called My Cat from Hell. And he really seems to be a cat behavior expert. Special. Hmm. Yeah. And it seems like what he, the tips that he gives people, and I get a, I, you know, respect goes out to that guy for working with cats and behavior issues because right. I find cats to be much more difficult than dogs to work with. But interesting. If you are a cat person, have cats love cats, are just interested in that, check that show out because he seems to really have some good ideas. And he's working with some tough cats, <laughs> from I what I can tell. Now, your cats aren't crazy like that, are they? No, no, but... Uh, Fergal. Fergal, yeah. And Marshmallow. And Marshmallow, and we also have Isis. Another cat? Yeah. Hmm. So three cats wow. in the house now. How are they all getting along? Well, <laughs> Fergal and Marshmallow have been a couple for as long as I've known them, and they get along fine. They sometimes like swat each other yeah. just to keep each other in line, I sure. guess. But uh, but Isis uh, lives upstairs, and she will not come downstairs and hang out with the downstairs cats, as I call them now. Mm. Um, but the downstairs cats, Fergal and Marshmallow, they are definitely trying to breach that uh, bridge and become friends with Isis, or at least hang out with her, Are or whatever. They venturing upstairs, they're every venturing once in a while? upstairs. Yeah, mm. they definitely want that interaction, but uh, Isis is not having having it. So mm. it's uh, it's interesting. How long have they been living together? 
About a year now. Okay. Yeah. Have you noticed any change in? Not much change. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Isis is a real uh, people cat. Yeah. Uh, and the other two, eh, they're they're becoming more people cat cats as they get older. But uh, yeah, for a long time, we're not really. They're cat cats. That, yeah, they're cat cats. Yeah. <laughs> Are they dog? Now, do they? What do they think about the dog? Now, this is an interesting thing because um, they t- tend, the dog and the cats tend to kind of ignore the existence of each other. Mm-hmm. They don't interact at all. They just kind of look the other way. And uh, Fergal's really funny as he walks around the abbey uh, sometimes. It's just like, row, row, row. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he tends to make sounds as he walks around and stuff and so he makes that little sound as he walks and kind of runs past her real quick it's it's pretty funny mm. and abby is of course a beagle abby is a beagle yeah as we know and she doesn't seem to have a an issue with the cats but again doesn't make eye contact doesn't talk to them doesn't just you live in your world i'll live in mine yeah <laughs> kind of thing you're dead to me <laughs> well <laughs> hopefully not that but yeah. <laughs> well it's better than the alternative which would be the cats. Fighting like cats and dogs. Right. Now, is Isis afraid of Abby, potentially, or did they live together before? They lived together before, and they seem to uh, get on all right. Uh, Isis sometimes um, will come up and, uh, you know, do things to Abby, like, you know, put her paw on her like she's going to pet her or something, or mm. come and sniff her, and then Abby will just kind of <clears throat> shake it off, and then when Abby's upstairs. they'll go about their business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, it's a, so many people live with both both species, and it's interesting to see how they all get along. Um, I know one of the things about cats that's when people are introducing the two is that if the cat is comfortable with dogs or at least will stand its ground, mm-hmm. then the interaction, that's like half the battle or more. Because if the cat runs and the dog could kind of go either way, Mm-hmm. The dog's just like, oh, okay, so we're gonna Something we're to gonna chase. do this, so yeah. I'll chase you, and then of course it just sort of like a vicious cycle. So when the cat's just like, bring it on, I dare you, <laughs> and just holds its ground, the dog's yeah. like, okay, and then usually as long as the dog's not dangerous with cats, then they kind of are able to sort it out. So well, everybody seems to have found a a way that works for them uh, in our household, anyway, as far as coexisting right. without fighting. So yeah. it's good. Spatial boundaries. Yeah. One of the things that the guy that was a common theme with um, the guy from my cat from hell was um, he kept, he said over and over and over again with all of his different clients how important it was for cats to have high spaces to go to. So he was constantly telling people. You have to build like a walkway for your cat that's, you know, high in the room, you know, like a hot, super high shelf that the cat can get up to mm-hmm. and almost, you know, as Feel much as they could there. make a walkway because cats really love to be elevated. It's how they actually feel secure because they can see everything, which I guess would make sense if you think of like cats that climb trees and then they can just sort of survey what's going on and and all that. And of course, also they can get away from dogs potentially if that's needed so that was probably the one thing that stuck the most from watching those few episodes of that guy i don't remember his name johnny galaxy galaxy i think something my cat from hell was that cats like to have places to go up high and since we're talking about cats just real quick jackson galaxy 
Jackson Galaxy. Johnny Galaxy. Close, huh? <laughs> Very close. Jackson Galaxy. Do you have a, Do you have a picture of him there? I do. Yeah. He's quite the character, isn't he? <laughs> he is quite the character. <laughs> I think he's a musician like you, Eric. It's entirely possible. <laughs> Uh, I actually, I actually do believe he is a musician. I'm not just making that up. Anyway, um, Jackson Galaxy, the cat guy. Um, so the Natural Pet Pantry, which is one of our partners, makes raw and cooked food for both dogs and cats. So you know, I've talked about food a lot over the years, uh, various different topics. All the same is true for cats as it is for dogs. And cats, if you could even say this is it, as if it was possible for an animal to be worse off than dogs with commercial pet food, cats are actually true carnivores. So cats have no nutritional need for grain in their diet or carbohydrate in their diet at all. And uh, they are as hurting as dogs as far as these processed foods so if you can feed your cat um, raw or cooked food and get them off of that processed kibble and canned food, you'll notice a huge difference in their health as you do dogs. And one of the biggest things about cats is that if you feed them raw food, you won't be able to smell their litter box. It's amazing. Makes sense. Um but it, it really is. I mean, it's amazing. If you have litter box odor problems, um, it's a it's a good reason among many others to switch to a raw food diet and see what a difference it makes. So uh, naturalpetpantry.com is their website. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some great events that are coming up here in the area and then get into some articles that I have found or have been sent to me. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Dr. Penny Lloyd at Connection the Best Medicine, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, September 1st, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. We'll catch up with the world of animals and have open phone lines for your calls and questions. So if there's something going on with any of your animal friends and you want some help or advice, plan to give me a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. 
Conversations Live, where Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. It's a whole new category for you to investigate, Eric. Songs Musically? that are cat-related. That's right. <laughs> Not to say that you have exhausted the dog category. No, there's still more, uh, plenty more <laughs> dog know. songs out there that we'll get to. Yet another reason to do a show about cats one of these days. Cat special. The cat special. Um, well, we're going to talk, I'm, I'm going to talk about some awesome events that are coming up because there's, I mean, that's one of the things that's sort of a it's one of my love-hate relationships with summer is that there are so many great events happening. Dog-related events. Dog-related. That's why they call them the dog days of summer, right? You know, where does that come from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out as you tell us about the events. Yeah, okay, good. So, all right. Very exciting. Um, Dr. Donna Kelleher, who's a local... Holistic vet, um, incredible vet, is doing a seminar October 19th, which is a Saturday, um, from 9 to noon. And she's going to be holding this seminar at the Academy of Canine Behavior, which is up in Bothell. And it's hosted by the Natural Pet Pantry, one of our partners. The cost is $40, and this is a huge opportunity for you if you live in the area um, to go to this talk, listen to Dr. Kelleher. She is amazing. I have sent uh, lots of friends and clients to her over the years who have just been stuck with certain health issues. They've been to numerous different vets of all different types, have tried all different things and just can't seem to crack the code, so to speak. Um, and Dr. Kelleher, I don't even know if she's taking new patients right now. Her time is very limited and she's doing this seminar. So it's really, I will definitely be there. And um, it's just a huge opportunity. So mark your calendar, register for this event Saturday, October 19th from 9 to noon up in Bothell at the Academy of Canine Behavior. And to register, you can call the Natural Pet Pantry at 206-248-1079. That's 206-248-1079. I'll post this information on our homepage, which is dogradioshow.com. So you can look it up if you're driving and can't write this down right now. Um, 206-248-1079. Call to register for Dr. Kelleher's seminar and she, I'm going to hopefully be able to coordinate with her to get her on the show before the seminar to talk about her book. Um, certainly go out and grab her book and read it. It's called The Proof is in the Poodle, which is one of my favorite book titles I think I've ever heard of. Um, so great. It's cute. And it also really is true, um, you know, from her perspective for health 
and, you know, her expertise. And then it's something that I say, too, in my field with with my clients is that, you know, for a lot of people who have maybe been to other trainers or who have read here or there to try different things, if if it works, it works. I mean, you're going to see that it works. Um, so anyway, that title of the book, The Proof is in the Poodle by Dr. Donna Kelleher. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to coordinate and get her on and talk about that before the seminar, which is Saturday, October 19th, 9 to noon. And again, call the Natural Pet Pantry. It's hosted by the Natural Pet Pantry to register $40 for the whole event, 206-248-1079. As I mentioned earlier, the Vashon Sheepdog Classic is coming up. It is mid-September this year, September 13th, 14th, and 15th, and it's on Vashon Island. Uh, it's held on Misty Isle Farms, which is over 30 acres of beautiful rolling green hills. And uh, they, the, you get to watch these border, mostly border collies and, and a handful of Kelpies, which is another herding breed, that work in a similar way to Border Collies as far as herding goes. And you get to see them um, really work their magic. And there's a lot of other stuff going on that's really fun about the event. There's vendors, all sorts of vendors. Um, there's local food available for purchase. And it's you watch the event from um, basically the slope of one of the hills that just watches over um, the land. And it's a really fun event. So highly recommend that. VashonSheepdogClassic.com is the website to check it out. I have a link posted on our homepage as well, so you can get all of this information from today's show from our homepage to DogRadioShow.com. That's Vashon, V-A-S-H-O-N, SheepdogClassic.com. Check it out. And I will be interviewing Maggie McClure, who's the coordinator who I've had on the show in previous years. Um, She'll be back on the show I think it might be next week. It's either next week or the following to talk about the event. So I'm looking forward to that as well. The AHELP Project, which is a organization that I'm on the board of directors for, Animal Hospice, End of Life, and Palliative Care. Um, there is a There was a couple things going on related to animal hospice. There is a Spirits in Transition seminar it's a three-day seminar, and from what I hear, it is incredible. Um, it's a weekend seminar on end-of-life care for animals. So if you perhaps just for personal reasons would like to attend or maybe you're interested in volunteering for a help project, um, but it's being held with a holistic veterinarian, Dr. Ella Biddle, and it's November 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, Friday to Sunday, $395 registration. It's in Seattle, and some topics covered, for example, would be um, to talk about sort of reevaluate common reasons for euthanasia, the stages of the natural dying process, um, supporting ourselves and grieving animals, geriatric care, and reducing the cancer risk for your pet. People have a tendency to avoid this topic, and I understand why it's not fun, um, but such so important, such an important aspect of the reality of living with animals and really just being alive. And I think that people probably gain a lot for, you know, grief around humans as well. 
um, but to just really engage in this conversation around death and dying, because um, it's something that we are just so afraid of. And I know, I understand why, because it's painful um, and scary and, and all that, but it's still a good thing to really be uh, equipped with information and empowered in that way. And that will really help ease the process. We've done a number of shows on this topic over the years. Um, and I think it's a really important one to speak about, so much so that I'm on the board of directors for A Help. So that's the Spirits in Transition seminar, November 15th, 16th, and 17th. I'll post a link to that on our homepage. And then the A Help project is, let's see, I think I may have lost that one. They have a um, caregiver's support um, seminar coming up as well. And I think I'm going to have to find that one on break. But it's um, if you're interested in volunteering for the A-Help Project, um, it's a great, uh, they have a caregiver support circle, which is great for people who are in the, you know, care caretaking a pet who is at their end of life. Sometimes that lasts, uh, you know, oh, here it is. Um, sometimes that process lasts a long time and sometimes it doesn't, but in any case, if, if it's something that speaks to you, I highly recommend becoming involved in the community. It's a great community. Um, it's an educational course on animal hospice and palliative care for pet parents, caregivers, volunteers, and professionals. It's offered, it offered in a series of three modules. A caregiver support certification is awarded at the completion of the modules and um, also after participation in the Caregiver Support Circle, which is a second Wednesday evenings and second Sunday afternoons. Both have East Side and Seattle locations. So check out the A-Help Project website. It's ahelpproject.org. Again, I'll post links to this on our homepage, dogradioshow.com. You can email Michelle at ahelpproject.org for more information or call 425-223-5722 if you are interested in finding out more about the animal caregiver support courses and certification offered through the A-Help Project. And <clears throat> let's see. A couple, um, of course, the cat show. <laughs> the cat show that's coming up. Sorry. For laughing. Um, August 31st and September 1st. I'm so curious about this. What it, you know, how does it compare to a dog show? Are the cats, you know, trotting around the rings? I kind of doubt it. Do they just bring them out and put them on a little table for inspection? Do, I, I think they do that part, yeah. I'm do not the sure cats, how many tricks they do. Do the cats um like let the judges come and touch them, or how does that go? That's probably part of it. You're probably, you know, losing points if they hiss at you and <laughs> attack you. <laughs> oh man! Um, and then you know, at like the dog show, there's all sorts of other great stuff that goes on at the Seattle dog show, like um, different. You know, Miriam Miriam Rose does her nose work demonstration. There's the Seattle. Police department is there doing a canine canine cop demonstration. There's, of course, the dog dancing, which is called freestyle. 
Is there cat dancing that happens? There is at my house. I don't know about <laughs> I'm the show. Sure. <laughs> so if you, yeah, I don't know. I, I might try to make it there and see what's up. That is August 31st and September 1st this weekend in Bellevue at the Maidenbauer Convention Center, Bellevue, Washington. I'll post a link to the uh, cat show if you're interested so that you can get the information and show up. There's a whole bunch of uh, sponsors and clubs um, that'll be there, and it seems like it's a pretty big deal. So it's uh, held by the International Cat Association, so just so you know. Um, Based in Siam? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about a couple articles, one about dogs and children and one about pet food. Shocking. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to the... I can tell you the etymology of the dog days of summer when we come back. Ooh, excellent. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Guiding star. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Medusia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 1230 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making The Natural Choice. That's The Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 1230 p.m. Please join us. Hi, I'm Pat Pauley. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauley, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. The search is over. You found the station that's not afraid to be different. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Cast aside. Guiding starlights. 
Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Wow, Eric, quite the song. And that ties into your answer about where the phrase dog days of summer comes from. Yeah, that's a deep cut for the dog songs because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's serious by uh, Clannad. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and the reason why I played that, of course, is because we were talking about where does the expression the dog days of summer comes from. Well, apparently the Romans referred to... Uh, them as dog days or deus. Uh, I, I'm not going to even try the Latin on that. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, they called it the dog days and it uh, it was associated uh, the hot weather with the star Sirius. And they considered Sirius to be the dog star because it's the brightest star in the constellation, Canis Major or large dog. So Sirius is also the brightest star in the night sky. And the term dog days was used earlier by the Greeks. So the dog days originally were the days when Sirius rose just before or at the same time as sunrise. And uh, the, apparently the Romans also sacrificed a red dog in April. So, Ooh. yeah, uh, to appease the rage of Sirius, believing that the star was the cause of the hot, sultry weather. And the, the dog days were uh, popularly believed to be an evil time. The sea boiled, the wine turned sour, dogs grew mad and all that stuff. So... Uh, Apparently, it was July 24th through August 24th. So I, I'm glad we've kind of moved on for those superstitious uh, no, no <laughs> times. But... Not fun to be a red dog in those times, No, huh? not in April anyway. No. Because <laughs> um, it seems like it had a negative connotation to it. Like, right. Oh, the dog days The dog summer. days, the hot, the hot days where people and dogs go crazy, apparently. Got it. So... Well, thank you for clarifying. Very educational. But we can start making it a positive thing. You know, we, language is a living thing, so we can change that expression to be a very great thing. You know, as in uh, the dog days of summer is when all these great events are happening for dog lovers. So. Or we could just call it the, the cat days of summer. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to agree with that. Sorry. <laughs> well, rewrite history. There you go. Um. Okay, so let's talk about this article. There's a link to it on our website, dogradioshow.com. And it's about kids and dogs. And it's called Why Supervising Dogs and Kids Doesn't Work. And she talks about, um, this is by Robin Bennett. And again, there's a link on our website, dogradioshow.com. It's sound advice given frequently. Supervise your dogs and kids while they are together. You hear it all the time. Don't leave the dog alone with children, no matter how friendly the dog is. Or never leave a dog and a child in the same room together. Um, all dogs can bite, so supervise your dog when you have children over. Everyone knows the drill, so why do kids continue to get bit by dogs? And she writes that, um, she says, why are there an estimated 800,000 Americans seeking medical attention for dog bites each year with over half of these injuries to children ages five to nine? And her point is that the bites are not a result of, you know, parents leaving the dog to care for the baby while mom does household chores or, you know, go shopping or, you know, it's not that the Parents are oblivious to the needs of their children. Um, actually, what she says is that she's consulted on hundreds of dog bite cases, and 95% of the time, 
the parent was standing within three feet of the child watching both the child and the dog when the child was bitten. And the problem, she says, is not the lack of supervision. The problem is that no one has taught parents what they should be watching for. Um, So it's sort of a combination of the, you know, educating parents and kids, but especially parents for, you know, how to read the dog's body language to prevent the bite from happening. Um, Watching for what she calls in this article, loose body language, which I really like, um, that the dogs, actually the muscles are loose. The dog looks relaxed. And, you know, reading a dog's muscle tension is a great way to read kind of how they're feeling about something. And if they look tense, then they are tense. So looking for curves in the dog's body when he's around the child, um, stiffening and freezing in a dog are not good signs. So if you see your dog tighten his body or if he moves from panting to holding his breath, so that's another area where you look for looseness is in the mouth in particular, in addition to the rest of the body. Um, She says, uh, if your dog moves from panting to holding his breath, you should intervene. These are early signs that your dog is not comfortable. And that's when a dog is going to use aggression. Usually the reason why kids get bit usually is that the dog is trying to set a boundary that has not been set by a human authority in the, um, you know, in the vicinity. So just not putting the dog in a position to have to do that and being able to read the signs if the dog is uncomfortable. Um, The other part of that, too, is to watch for inappropriate human behavior. And I get this sometimes with clients if they have kids and Maybe something's happened. Maybe the dog has Mm. snapped or bit the child or, you know, well, I ask them, well, what's, you know, what's happening when this is going on? And a lot of times they're telling me that the child is doing certain things and they want the dog to be more tolerant. But what I say is, in addition to maybe looking at ways that we can work with the dog so that they feel more comfortable, but what about boundaries with the kids? So, you know, watching for, you know, don't let the child climb on the dog, attempt to ride the dog, pull the ears, yank the tail, lift the jowls, poke and prod the dog. Um, Don't marvel that your dog has the patience of Job if he is willing to tolerate these antics. And don't videotape it for YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just, you know, it's just not a good idea because dogs, every any you can get any dog to bite. It, they just have to be pushed far enough for some dogs who, you know, you would think would never bite anybody. Um, and, you know, with kids especially. And a lot of times kids get bit in the face. And, you know, seeing kids put their face up. I mean, people in general shouldn't do that to especially dogs they don't know. But I wouldn't really want my child ever doing that to the family dog if for nothing else, just so that they're not, so that they don't think that that's appropriate behavior around dogs in general, especially for young kids. So teaching the children appropriate behavior around dogs as well. So really setting boundaries with the children too. Um, She says uh, three really easy to see stress signals in your dog. 
Um, all of them indicate that you should intervene and separate the child and dog. And this just lets you know that this is a little hard for the dog. And we see this in lots of different contexts. It's not just with kids and dogs, but I see this in training a lot when a dog is really thinking or trying to figure something out. They'll do this as well. It's not necessarily a bad thing in, in, in all contexts when a dog does this, but if it's around a child and dog interaction, it's letting you know that the dog is stressed out and that you should intervene and give the dog a break. So yawning, outside the context of waking up. So if you see your dog yawn and they haven't just woken up, um, that's actually a sign of stress. It's called a stress yawn. Half moon eye. This means you can see the whites of your outer edges of your dog's eyes. Um, so it's just a, you know, widened eye is a sign of stress. And then lip licking outside the context of eating food is also a sign of uh, that this is maybe hard for your dog. Big one here, watch for avoidance behaviors. If the dog moves away from the child, don't let the child pursue the dog. And that's something that is great if you think your dog is just wonderful with your kids. You wouldn't dream that anything would ever happen. One of the basic things to teach your kid is that if the dog essentially communicates that they've had enough and moves away, that the kid is to never follow the dog when they do that. Because the dog has, in the best way that we could ever hope for, communicated that they've had enough and they've removed themselves from the situation. And we want to reward that and let the dog know that that works for them. And then, of course, listening for growling. She says, I can't believe how many times I've heard parents say, oh, he growled all the time, but we never thought he would bite. Um, Dog behavior, including aggression, is on a continuum. So growling is an early warning sign. And if the growling doesn't work, the dog may escalate to snapping or biting. So the growling is a clue that you should intervene between the dog and the child. Uh, It's a great article. It's not just like, oh, just be around and the dog, you know, nothing will happen. She's saying that actually a lot of times what happens is uh, kids get bit when people are three feet away. And something that I read in another article a while ago is that for um, strange, like if you were bringing your child over to somebody's house and they have a dog, that bites in those situations oftentimes happen on the third visit. And it's because the parents have relaxed too much slash too early, but probably just too much in general thinking, oh, you know, we've been over here a few times. We haven't had any incidents, so the dog must be just fine with kids, and we don't have to think about boundaries for the dog, and then the child gets bit. So, um, Your thoughts on uh, something that uh, when it comes to dogs and children's behavior, I've heard some talk, not by you, by by other, like, quote-unquote dog <laughs> experts that have talked about pack mentality and um, how issues can be caused by dogs not knowing their place in a pack and whether children um, are not, you know, the uh, alpha dogs in a situation. We're close to a break, so maybe you answer this after the break. Eric, I love love that question. Let's take a quick break, and I'll answer it when we come back. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
This is Julie Forbes, dog training behavior and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Dr. Penny Lloyd at Connection the Best Medicine, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, September 1st, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. We'll catch up with the world of animals and have open phone lines for your calls and questions. So if there's something going on with any of your animal friends and you want some help or advice, plan to give me a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. No other station brings you this much variety. Welcome to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And Eric, before break, asked an excellent question related to the article that I just highlighted, which is about dogs and kids. Mm-hmm. And your question was, well, what do you, th- you, that you've heard sort of some talk about like the pack. Right. Like dogs have to have uh, an alpha dog uh, to know their place in the pack. That sort of talk is what I've heard. And, and apparently the the parents or the whoever the adults are in the house are supposed to be the alpha dog and sometimes it's confusing if there's you know two alpha dogs which would be like uh you know a couple a, a married couple for instance you know and the dog doesn't necessarily respect one of them you know whether it be the the wife or the mm. husband or whoever you know well for adults in the family the dog should I think have a respect for both of them. And I think mm-hmm. that the dog should view if there is, if it is a couple that's, you know, if it's not just a single adult, but it's a couple that has a dog, whether they have a family or not, we want the dog to view the couple as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I don't know how confusing it is necessarily, but it's undesirable because a lot of times people say, I mean, I hear all the time the dog, listens to one, you know, one spouse, but not the other, or behaves differently with one spouse and not the other. And so making sure that there's, you know, having a conversation with the two humans and saying, okay, well, sometimes they have different expectations and sometimes they are in disagreement. Mm -hmm. And so we want to get them first on the same page before we then try to communicate an expectation to the dog. We need to make sure that the people first identify as a um, team first but with kids what I when you asked that 
what what I thought of was because I've heard people say this as well is that they think that they need to establish the child as quote unquote alpha over the dog. Right. And it's a ridiculous concept because the dog knows that the child is a young child. And mm-hmm. unless it's just a submissive dog naturally and will just submit to whatever and, you know, would never challenge. And that's just the dog that you're given. Um, but if the dog believes that, you know, at some point it, it it has boundaries, establishing, you know, with a dog that a three-year-old is the alpha is ridiculous. I think it's unfair to a dog and, un, you know, ineffective to really have that expectation um, because they know that they're kids. I mean, it would be like, you know, somebody who's in charge of the station saying, hey, we've brought on this new consultant for whatever and you need to listen to this person and they bring in a four-year-old right <laughs> well you never know that could happen but uh, yeah it would be tough yeah i mean dogs dogs don't get enough credit and they you know i've said this a lot in general but they know what's going on they know who's adult who's kid and if it's a dog that which most do feel like they have boundaries somewhere then to just expect that you can establish the child as an alpha and just make the dog tolerate whatever is unrealistic and I think unfair to the dog and kind of disrespectful to the dog. So um, certainly important to, you know, and I've talked about this topic a lot in the past as well. well what is what does that mean, being dominant, being alpha? It doesn't mean slamming the dog on the ground and rolling them on their back. And it doesn't really necessarily mean that you eat first or that, you know, all of these things. It means that you've established control and that the dog will listen to you. But it doesn't mean that you do that out of fear either. Leadership is not bullying in any context. So I'll be getting more into that as I have over the past years. And I'm actually writing a book on it, too. So more on that for sure. But a great question. Um, so quickly, my last agenda topic today is a so I came across this. My house is funny um, because when I'm watching television, I like sports like I'm a big Seattle Storm fan. It's our women's basketball team. I love football. Um, go Seahawks. And that's pretty much it about for me for sports. But um So, you know, I like yell at the TV sometimes, you know, when I'm watching sports. The other time that I yell at the television is when I see a big name pet food commercial that's just sort of, well, it's my opinion and seems to be true that they're just lying. Um, It's a whole bunch of marketing, marketing crap, and it's just not true. And there's an article that I posted a link to on our website, dogradioshow.com. That is warning about a natural, quote unquote, natural pet foods that are marketed as natural, but that still contain sketchy ingredients. And the one that I saw, I think it might have been on Facebook. Um, I even posted about it on our Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook, be sure to find The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook and you can become a part of the conversation in between our live shows every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, so I'm going to give an example. There, well, it's like a new trend. Like, well, people are starting to catch on that maybe we should start feeding our pets better quality food than what has generally been available. 
as far as big name pet food. So, you know, I really don't like processed food at all. I recommend the Natural Pet Pantry. It's just either raw or cooked, but very, very minimally processed. It does not go through the extrusion process, which is what kibble goes through. It causes uh, or um, creates carcinogens in food. So there's this food by one of my least favorite companies. And I'm just going to read. Um, so they have all these new formulas like True Instinct or there's all and this is all different brands are doing this of these big name foods. And it's something like, you know, natural, true instinct. Our expert nutritionists were inspired by a dog's natural instinct to choose nutrient-dense foods in nature. That's why true instinct, and that's not the name of the food, the brand name of the food, is formulated with real turkey as a number one ingredient, along with real venison, as opposed to fake turkey and fake venison. I don't know what that means and other high-quality ingredients to provide the protein and energy, blah, blah, blah. Nature plus science helps provide 100% complete and balanced nutrition to support whole body health while satisfying your active adult dog's true instinct. Wow. Here's the ingredients. Turkey, number one, as they tout. Corn gluten meal. Number one allergy, one of the number one allergy causing foods in dogs. Soy flour, another one of the number one allergy causing. Animal fat, that's the preservative. And I think Susan Thixton of truthaboutpetfood.com said that anything before the, the preservative is basically what's in the food. So it's turkey, then corn, then soy. Then we've got poultry byproduct meal. That's leftovers, uh, not fit for human consumption. Whole wheat. Another high allergy-causing food. Whole corn, again. Soybean meal, again. Brewer's rice, rice used for human process already. Corn germ meal. Oh, there's real venison way down there after all that grain. And then it continues and goes on. So just don't be fooled by these big-name big brand um, formulas that shift something slightly, shift the angle on the marketing, Call it something like natural or instinct or whatever, and it's really just all the same crap. That's not good for your dog. So heads up on that. I posted that link to the article on our homepage as well, dogradioshow.com. All of our shows are archived on our website and also available as a free audio podcast on iTunes, over 225 episodes. We'll be back next week live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening. 